It's Tuesday, December 7th, 2021, and you're listening to episode 584 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 57 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. My name's Chad. I'm Brodor. And that's it. So, yeah, Wayne's busy today. Mm -hmm. Phoenix is busy today. Caleb actually was just complaining he needs to game more, so we're going to have to rehabilitate him there and get him back on the show. Yeah. But in the meantime, that's not what we're talking about. We are going to talk about something that came up in the Blaze in the Dark game we're playing, which... If you want to appear that, ap.feartheboot.com. If you don't, whatevs. It's just, we're going to talk about it because it's the game we're playing. But let me sort of explain what was happening. And I'm going to have to give a little bit of spoilers here on the AP. So if you are following the AP, then make sure you're caught up at least through episode 12 of the Blades in the Dark game. Eh, we don't do spoilers. Because, you know, the motto of the AP is... Well, yes, <laughs> but that's in terms of us censoring ourselves. Right. Not in terms of me trying to be fair to the people that enjoy the storytelling yeah. aspect of the Because you got to think that they're like four hours long. And yeah, And they, they take are. a while. It's every other week. Right, right. So if we have to, like, wait to talk about them. Right. So yeah. I'm not well, saying and, we're not going to talk about the, it. And as the person who is most regularly censored, I would <laughs> say that there is definitely censorship in the AP. Yeah. True. Well, yeah, but okay. <laughs> Censoring you is like saying we don't put most people in jail. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm all right. I'm just gonna leave it there. But if you are interested in the story of the AP, we are going to spoil some things that happen at the end or at the climax of episode 12 of the Blades in the Dark game. So decide whether you want to continue with this episode or pause it and go catch up on the AP first. Let's go ahead and jump into it. I'm playing a character, my main character, because we all have two characters or three characters, because mm-hmm. we have main characters and these sort of backup schmucks. Yep. But my main... I love char- the schmucks. Oh, I do too. I think they're both wonderful groups. <laughs> but my main character is a medical doctor by the name of Dr. Eldon Proust, who, as I have openly admitted... I didn't, at the time we started this game, know much of anything Mm. about Blades in the Dark. I had never played Dishonored. I repeat myself. (laughs) And in fact, we had talked about this on on a previous episode. And I don't remember what the episode number is. But it's we could put it in the show notes. Yeah, we did. And I'll link in the show notes where I talked about how one of my difficulties Mm -hmm. with Dr. Prowse was the same difficulty that I had going into the Dresden game which is I don't think I grokked the setting well enough to understand how to make a character that fits in. Now, I can make a character who conforms to the group template, Mm -hmm. who's a team player, who's not going to violate anyone's what they call lines and veils or this is not a character that's going to disrupt the party with a character who like is from Star Trek. Yeah, scenario. yeah, I, I didn't steampunk Victorian or was profoundly yeah. offensive right. or disruptive to the party, but I didn't know how to make them fit in exactly because yeah. I didn't totally grok the setting mm-hmm. and what everyone else was making and so on and so forth. All right, so the real short story of the character is that he was a medical doctor who was practicing on land, mm-hmm. deci- a sane medical doctor, yes, perfectly sane, reasonable individual 
who then went out to sea and served as a ship surgeon on one of the whaling ships that collects what's called leviathans, which they call them whales. Mm -hmm. These are not whales. These are these like super dimensional or extra dimensional sort of Lovecraftian demonic sea creature kind of things Mm -hmm. where it's not like they talk to you directly, but people that are around them a long time start to hear them speaking and they start to hear songs, not like whale songs, but like this discordant music and the more of the meat they consume and the longer they're around these things, the crazier and crazier it drives them. And Proust is one of the people where it hit him harder, faster, and more severely than it does most people. And he lost his gourd. He went nuts. Mm. They took him back, threw him in a nut house. The guy that runs the nut house is himself actually possessed by the ghost of another person and basically turned him into a tool of this cult of preserving disembodied spirits. Long story. I'm not going to bore you with all of it. If you really care, uh, go play Blades mm-hmm. in the Dark and you'll get it. All right. But the point being, one of the struggles I had with this character was, as I said, I didn't know exactly how he fit in. I knew mm-hmm. I'm not making him disruptive, but that's different than him fitting in. Well, what happened at the end of this last game was we encountered a character who is this, we're not sure what she is. She's definitely something supernatural. She's not human, or at least not human anymore. She has this ability, if somebody tells her a story, she can basically grab that memory almost like a zero-sum currency. And it seemed not of her own volition as well. Yeah, that if she hears a story, that kind of like passes into this bank where she can move it on to another target or return it, but but it leaves you. Yeah, it only yeah. exists in one place. Yeah. So if you tell her about your 12th birthday party, she now remembers it, or she can choose to make somebody else remember it, but you don't remember it anymore. Yeah. It's like you never had this and memory. You don't understand the hole. You yeah. don't have a hole there. You, it's like, I should have had a 12th birthday party, no, it doesn't exist. It never existed. Yeah. It is not within you. And that is normal. And what it's been completely erased. Yes. Yeah. It's just gone forever. If you saw pictures of it, you could theorize that's you mm-hmm. based on what you look like, but you would have no recollection, even if the event occurred yesterday. Right. You would have no recollection of even having, like you said, even having mm-hmm. had this memory. There's, and this is not something that's, Specific to Blaze in the Dark, right. an element chat added based on a character in Dishonored named Granny Rags. Blah, blah, blah. Huge gaming backstory. What, what's Dishonored? <laughs> yeah. And how does it pertain to Blades in the Dark? It doesn't at it, all. It's totally it, separate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry for yeah. the interruption. Yeah. Sure. No, uh, but important point there. Yeah. yeah. I could see how somebody would be confused if they just didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. If, and if I, and I'm obviously not in the net. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so at the end of this game, mm-hmm. We ran into this guy who had all of these mannequins that he was prepping. He would build them, and they had human-like articulation, and eventually he would give them this artificial skin layer. Think of, like, 
lacquered wood and clockwork, like a well, drawing dummy mannequin, the, only the, six feet tall. The pelvic detail is really what... <laughs> yeah. I spent like the, 20 solid minutes yeah, on... No, it was, it was yeah, no, it was interesting no, to, to hear about pig skin and, <laughs> and, and how similar it is to humans, and it was a fascinating, fascinating yeah. game. So what was amazing is that I saw Brodork zone out in the middle of the game, and his eyes got all kind of glistening. So he started saying nasty stuff to draw him back yeah, in. Yeah, no, no, I, I think he just dreamed it. I th- I think that he you well now this is this is because my bedtime is eight o'clock at night <laughs> and so we start gaming when I'm supposed to go to bed mm-hmm. and and that becomes that but that's beside the point yeah and who's Peepaw oh I'm old man I'm <laughs> I'm a fucking Peepaw that's real life uh, all right so anyway well, at yeah. the end of this game this mm-hmm. guy's got these mannequins mm-hmm. that he is dressing up in increasingly human ways and he uses this old woman or whatever mm-hmm. she is to transplant the memories of real people into these things. Right. And they then go out secretly working for mm-hmm. him and infiltrate various portions of society. Yep. So we go, he can make them look human and he can make yeah. them have human memories mm-hmm. and such to the point that they may not even know what they are. Right. So we go to his lab and he's got dozens of these things mm-hmm. and we'd fought one. One of them was a super, Badass, very difficult fight. He's yeah. got dozens of them. So my character manages to sneak past them. I promise you the story is almost over. <laughs> All right. So my character manages to sneak past them, gets a hold of the mechanism that this guy uses to implant the memories. And he had with him, my character that mm-hmm. is, had with him the old woman who can do the memory transplantation. And the rest of the group was waiting outside to kind of jump in realizing that this was about to get really ugly, I used the device to recall... You told her... I told the, her... The story. The story. And used the device of, to grab... Exactly. Story. About his first recollection of meeting the play, other player characters and why he liked them, and also his first recollection of this mannequin maker mm-hmm. and why he didn't like him. Right. And gave up those memories, which were then transplanted into all these mannequins. So now all these mannequins recall as if it was their own memory that they love the player characters and they hate the guy that's running the conspiracy. And the conspiracy is over. I mean, the the town's in flames. These mannequins are rebelling. And it was like this dog pile of them trying to see which could be the first Mm -hmm. to get to and kill the guy that made them because they hate him the same way my character did. All right. But the flip side of this is those memories are a zero sum. Yeah. So if the mannequins have them, Prowse doesn't. My character Mm -hmm. no longer remembers why he likes any, he knows that he does. He doesn't lose the factor. When you snatch that story, when it was being transferred out of you and you snatched it in midair, your character forgot or I should say didn't forget, didn't know why they were doing this. Yeah. And they lost the motivation to do it. And the other teammates had to basically do stuff to tell you, no, push it, get it, push it out. And you're just like, I don't even know who you are sort of thing. And, and yeah, it was, it was a very yeah. tense. And, and you awesome don't scene. lose the facts. So the mm-hmm. fact that he is friends with the party's not gone, mm-hmm. but he can't remember why. Yeah. It's like being amnesiac and waking up and you look at your phone and say, wow, 
uh, apparently I'm in a romantic relationship with this person based on the messages. So you know that that's true. Because it's technically... But you don't know who they are, how you met, or how you fell in love with them. Because it's technically, it's not a memory. And it sounds like it's a memory, and it kind of is. The Grammy, the old woman, does not take memories. She takes stories. Yeah, moments in time. But stories, if you think about them, have context. A memory is a fact. A memory like... I was here on this day and this person said this to me and I felt this about it. A story is a whole narrative with context that webs out. And when you tell the story, she absorbs that story away from you. Context and all, all the webs, all the hooks, all the things that are part of that retreat. And instead of leaving a hole, the narrative of your life kind of contracts and it makes that hole no more. Yeah. And so, it, and again, it's all very, uh, magical and. Right, right, right. Fancy. So his, yeah, his mem- Prowse memory now is that he went out to sea, came back to land and ended up with this group of people. Mm-hmm. No in a way that makes sense. Yeah. And, but mm-hmm. he does not remember the real story of why it happened. Yeah. Now here's the point. All right. Here, here's why this yeah. is worth talking about. Let's go back to what I said was my issue with the character in the first place. I didn't really understand how he fit into the world or how he Mm -hmm. fit into the group because I did not know really anything about Blades in the Dark. The exact same issue I had once again with my Dresden character. I didn't know anything about the Dresden verse, so I made a character that was taken straight out of Journey to the West Mm -hmm. and really didn't work in the Dresden game. And now that I've actually played Blades in the Dark for Mm -hmm. 12 games or whatever, Mm -hmm. and I've played Dishonored, both the Dishonored story DLCs and Dishonored 2. I've not yet played Dishonored 2 story DLC, but I've played most of the Dishonored series. Now suddenly I get Mm -hmm. the world in a way I didn't before. And this gives me a chance to take something that had always been kind of this underwear gnome plot of... Prowse exists, number two is a bunch of question marks, <laughs> and number three is Prophet. Yeah. Except Prophet here is Prowse lights the group. Right. And I never <laughs> myself really knew what, what that middle point even was. Yeah. And now I have an opportunity to go back and create it. Yeah. Because it's gone forever. And that was the whole thing, is that when that story and all the threads that you grabbed and you pushed out into these things, they're destroyed and wrecked and they can't really tell a story. So that aspect of your character from a thematic standpoint and from a a story standpoint is obliterated. You can't get it back. You have to remake it. What I'm curious about is going forward is Proust the same person that he was before, right? So all of the instances and circumstances and conditions that led to Proust being Proust, a lot of that, you still remember all of that. But in the context of all the experiences that you had with the party and how they influenced you, how they impact Proust, well, all of that's gone, right? So for me as a player, like I understand how Alexander feels about Proust. And if you listen to the AP, you know that that's not necessarily 
a comfortable thing. So now there's a missing piece, right? Like he knows that he has affection toward Alexander and he doesn't understand why. I he doesn't understand why Alexander is afraid of him but, as well. But also Alexander's not a complete idiot. So if mm-hmm. he sees an opportunity for manipulation, <laughs> right, and to essentially steer the direction that Proust is going and have some control over that creepiness. That's absolutely something that I would want to do. Well, there would be a push and pull too, because it wouldn't be a manipulation. It would be like Proust is scary and he's crazy. No, no, no. It would definitely be, I don't want Proust to be the way he was before. And I want to make sure that he doesn't go down. Proust still remembers all that. He remembers his own religion. Okay. Also all the lunacy. Gotcha. He just doesn't remember having ever met you. Oh, well then that's, that's fine. We can start off with a very distant, (laughs) cold, we non-friendly relationship and keep it that way. That's great. (laughs) So here's a broader bit of gaming advice where our game is allowing for something that normally I wouldn't jump to, but let me explain how I think it could be applicable to more games than just ours. Now there's this trope in storytelling of The person with no past, Hmm. where for some reason they wake up one day and they can't remember their past and they have to reassemble who they are. And I'm going to be blunt and say it's not as bad as it once was, Hmm. but especially in decades gone by, this was a very, very common trope in terms of character development. I just wake up one day with no context of who I am and I'm this total badass and don't recall how I got that way. Erupted from the earth. Yeah, exactly. Start adventuring. Exactly. It's a born conspiracy, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever sort of story. And okay, those are cool to a point, but it's the Batman. Somebody killed my parents. It was cool when Batman did it back in the 1930s. It's gotten a wee bit overdone now, Mm -hmm. but this allows for that. Yeah, And let me explain how I think this is applicable to more games than just ours, because obviously you may be playing in a game where that kind of memory loss isn't possible, or it is possible, but once again, it's a tired trope. Are we really going to do this Hmm. every time a character doesn't fit in? Are we going to wipe their memory? Hmm. But there is something that we have done in past games. We did it in the Skies of Glass game for sure. I know we've done it some in the Blades game. We used to do it real heavily in the years prior to Fear the Boot existing, which is improving the past in the present, mm-hmm. where what we would have happen is while we're playing, one character would say to another, hey, you remember that battle at Tannhauser Gate to take one of the most overused mm-hmm. references in sci-fi? Which, by the way, if you use that thread alone, like half of science fiction movies are all in the same multiverse. But uh say something like mm-hmm. that. Do you remember that one time we went and saw this movie? Or that time we mm-hmm. had that at dinner with your insufferable mother-in-law? Mm-hmm. Or, or whatever the exact case is. And from that, we would just role-play and spitball on the spot a story. And yeah. suddenly characters would have more shared past than either A, what had been written on the group template or the character backgrounds, and or B, what had actually occurred in the game. Because we would describe past memories, 
in a yes and or mm-hmm. yes but sort of role playing moment. Hey, do you remember that time where the two of us were holding this one lookout post and we had a detachment of 200 people from the bad guys come up and we had to fake them out to believe there's more than two of us so that they would retreat from the position. Yeah, I don't know what. I'm right. making stuff up. Once again, you remember that time we were at that space station we both got really sick from the crepes and we just riff off that. We mm-hmm. just go with it. One person says that. The other person's like, yeah, except it wasn't crepes because you know I don't eat that crap. It was this. <laughs> well, now you establish things not just yeah. about the characters and their past but about the characters individually because I've now established I don't like crepes for some reason. Mm-hmm. And these are all the, I mean, it's, it's silly stuff, but these are the sorts of things that flesh out a character. Yeah. And even if you are not doing something as severe as a character has lost memories or doesn't or never had them to begin with, you can still have memories and the past being invented in the course of action in the game. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say, well, if it's not actually occurred in the game in terms of narrative, then therefore it has not occurred. People talking about their past can become as canonical as the past you actually are creating by virtue of rolling the dice and acting out a scene. And I've seen game masters like, and probably I have too, really step on that. There's this sort of riffing, there's this sort of ad-libbing, there's this sort of back and forth of establishing facts that have not been established, Mm. right? And the more minor the facts are, the the more you can do, you know, the, the, the more okay it is. But the more important the facts are, the more, I think, poignant the scene can be. But it's also you're kind of upping the chance of the game master or other players saying, well, wait, no, that that's maybe going a little too far. And I've seen I've seen game masters kind of squelch that and, and step on the concept. But like in the in the Blades game, too. You had done something where your character was haunted. It's a mechanical effect, right? Yes. And you use the sort of plot device to rid yourself of it. And it's like, that's not how that works sort of thing. But the thing is, I'm sitting there like... It wasn't a yeah. true trauma either, though. It, yeah. The way we had handled it wasn't... It was a, like devil's bargain. So, yeah. Well, and I was not thinking of saying no. At no point was I ever actually going to say no. I was thinking... Wow, there's a lot of game masters who would like pump the brakes on this and it would totally ruin the scene. You know, you got to let it play out. And so I guess that's my advice, too, is the scene and the players and what they're doing and what they're interested in is way more important than what you have scribbled on your little notes. Yeah, so what Chad's describing, and I'll do my best to explain this to anyone who's not listening to the AP, was something that happened in episode... 10 or 11? I don't remember exactly. And also, we had like a two-month gap in the AP. So my knowledge of our own AP is getting a bit spotty. But something happened where this demon of the sea, one of these Leviathan things, and my character got into it, and somehow we like neutralized each other on a die roll or something like that. I don't remember what the deal was. Or he did something or it did something with a power and then my character did something with a power and mm-hmm. we kind of neutralized each other. And there's a trauma in the game of your character is haunted because ghosts and demons are yeah. very real in this game. 
So your character is literally haunted, not like you have a haunting memory. There's something, a spirit of some kind tormenting you. What I took out of this, because it was kind of a neutral thing, was rather than we bounce off of each other, it's the reverse. That he is haunting me or it is haunting me as demon is haunting my mind. But in turn, because Proust himself is both highly occultic, magical, mm-hmm. whatever the right adjective is. Ter- terrifying, creepy, <laughs> well, and also, off-putting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all those things. And yeah, also yeah, so sure. crazy yeah. that being inside a demon's mind wouldn't entirely unhinge him. Yeah, yeah. I, I I just said that. That <laughs> that the, the way I wrote the flaw was the demon and I are haunting each other. Yeah. That he plagues my dreams, but I also plague his. Right. And so we're tormenting each other. So I lost a trauma of sorts, mm-hmm. but I also lost a perk of sorts because I had leverage on that demon. Yeah. And I was actually thinking about even taking, there's a power called consort mm-hmm. where I could actually begin to start to dominate that demon and its followers. Mm-hmm. But I, of course, cut that off by yeah. ending because how I ended it was that he basically let the demon through to see could he stop this old woman from transferring memories by overwhelming her, not with his own memories, but letting the demon out. Right. And letting the demon's memories of all this Lovecraftian, you know, a squared circle within a squared circle, colors that don't exist, you know, this, this kind of extra planar Lovecraftian madness just consume her right and instead she just absorbed it like any other yeah. story but the result is now neither Prowse or the demon remember each other right yeah <laughs> and and the, the demon's like meh okay yeah so <laughs> the demon, demon just goes back to demoning and Prowse yeah. just goes back to prousting yeah and yeah neither of us are, are bothering the other because we don't remember the other anymore mm-hmm. or at least we don't remember that particular interaction anymore yeah i think that a lot of Issues that people have with their characters initially can be solved through role-playing. I think that, you know, a lot of people I've seen who have a character that's a problem character, like they're not getting the character or the character doesn't fit or maybe they had an idea in mind and that idea just didn't turn out to be very interesting in play. Or maybe the, the, the character is a problem character and they're like, you know, this you're right, this character is a bit on the disruptive side. I think a lot of people, in my experience, just want to flush the character. You know, yes. it's like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, maybe the character's an NPC and I'm going to make a new character or the character just walks off into the sunset or we just... As opposed to fixing, resolving, right. analyzing the existing character. Right, yeah. I think it is a more satisfying way to go to talk about it, to say, okay, well, what are the issues here with the character... And what can we as a group or game master, use player, whatever, do? What needs to change? What do you want to get out of it? You know, how does it fall short? What can we do here? I think it is actually even cooler, though, to resolve this in role play. Because yeah. I think a lot of the problem with problem characters is the same problem with problem people. They are doing something that pisses everybody off. And they don't think they're doing it or that it's okay or it's other people's problem or any of the other number of reasons why somebody continues to do bad behavior 
that makes all their friends mad. And what is a role-playing game and characters except character growth? Is to yeah. role-play it out so to where instead of just saying, yeah, you're an unrepentant asshole, to kind of come around. I think something I've seen at least as often, maybe more often, I'd have to kind of contemplate my gaming history here, but I've certainly seen it frequently, mm-hmm. is not that the character's disruptive, the character's not clicking, they're boring. Yeah. Yeah. They're not fitting in. The person isn't feeling any spark for them. The character doesn't add much to the plot or to role mm-hmm. playing. And I, I agree with your statement that people are oftentimes far too quick to dispose of characters, which is why as a game master, the question that I've become very fond of is why. Yeah. So if somebody says, I want to switch characters or I don't like my character, I don't force them to play mm-hmm. that character. But my first question to them is why? Yeah. Because I've noticed the same thing as you, that people are oftentimes too quick to dispose of something that could be fixed. Mm-hmm. And this is where role-playing is helpful. And you, may, you could maybe solve it with a game master. So let's do that as route one. My character's not fitting in. The game master sits down mm-hmm. and says, okay, well, what are some things in your background we can develop? Or yeah. even if they're not already extant in your well, background. You're what are playing things- a cop and all the other group is playing criminals. So why did you make a cop when you knew everyone was playing criminals? Although yeah. you wouldn't word it like that. It, kind of, it, it, unless you are a crooked cop. Crooked cop. Or yeah. how does this work? Yeah. But even if you want to go that route, be like, you know, well, all right, there's got to be something we can develop here. A criminal you arrested in the past yeah. who was competition both for the police and well, for the criminals I, you back. I actually think that your very simple question applies here. Why? Yeah. Not why do you think it's not working? That's obvious. You're the, you're the cop and everyone's a criminal. You're playing the wrong character. Why did you want to make a cop who isn't corrupt where everyone's playing a gang of yeah. criminals? And maybe the answer is, oh, well, I kind of wanted a redemption. I wanted to see if I can come in and redeem. It's like, no, redemptions are, they, they only work for one person. They don't really work when you revert a team here. So what could we do to make this work? I mean, maybe you could be tempted and become a corrupt cop and maybe it backfires and maybe you feel real bad about it and there's all this role play. In my experience, obviously I'm arguing from anecdote, but in my experience, the person who wants to play the oddball character always wants to play the oddball character because disruption is mm. their kink. Mm-hmm. That is the thing that they want to do. And I know that's not the topic of this episode. No, I mean, but I generally find yeah. the person who wants to be off the beaten path for that purpose gets off on being contrarian mm-hmm. and detracting and basically on everyone else's fun. And I think you're, you're right. I've, I've seen a lot of that. And, the problem with it is there's no solution. The, well, the, I, I disagree. There is a solution. <laughs> well, I, I know it's harsh. I don't game with that person yeah, anymore. Exactly. Because the thing about it this way, like you said, your kink is the disruption. That's the goal. So why did you play the good guy cop in the game where we're playing bad guy? Because everybody's a bad guy and the good guy cop is a disruption. There's a disruption. No. Oh, so, well, what's the solution here? Well, there's we don't game with the yeah, guy who wants to be a disruption. There's 20 different solutions, except the guy doesn't want to solve the problem. 
because the goal yeah, is the disruption. Whereas in the case of someone like or a character like Prowse, right? The disruption was never. The yeah, goal. in fact, the character is very much written to as weird as he is mm-hmm. to nonetheless still be very conformist and compassionate well, would, to the party. I would say that, that the big problem with you, Dan, and you playing Proust, for me, Chad, the Game Master here, was never that you didn't understand the setting and stuff, which was true. I mean, you, you had a hard time grasping it. The problem for me was that, like you said, it wasn't gelling. The group would do stuff, and the story would do stuff, and the setting would do stuff, and these are all like shapes of blocks and holes and you put the shapes yeah. there and there was never a proust shape hole right and and, and so if i had come to you as a gm or now brodor who's taken yeah. over as gm and said he's just gonna kill everybody well probably but said you know this is what i'm struggling with then the game master could sit down and say okay well maybe yeah. we need to develop some more things about your past maybe we need to have some people come back from your past mm. And if you don't know what that pass is, then fine. Can you as a player give me as a game master license to just invent these things for you? But looping this back even mm-hmm. a little bit farther, I think this is my second point here is that I think it's also a great opportunity for players to help players. Right. Because especially if the game master does not have a really dominating NPC on the scene, Everyone's sitting around the campfire, sitting on a train over the ocean between cities, sitting on the spaceship, wherever the hell it is they are during their downtime. Then the other players can start to riff things Mm -hmm. or improv things and say, hey, did you remember that time that? Or while we were in the last town, I got you that lemon cookie. Mm-hmm. That you're always been looking for what, and it doesn't. It could be something serious. It could be something banal. Like right now, Prowse doesn't remember what it was like being reintroduced to the party and rediscovering a love for these people after he came back from the sea without mm-hmm. ever fully coming back from the sea. And I think the only person he directly knew prior to that. I think there's two because uh, he's actually related somehow to one of the characters. He's- you're, you're related to Alex. Yeah, say he's, yeah. he's like his cousin or something or uncle yeah. or something. Which is, which is more reason for Alex to be off put by you, right? Because yeah. familial, you know, that proximity tends to breed disdain, right? Well, you also would remember him when he wasn't. Yeah. Uh, when he so, wa- wasn't when out you of weren't his a door. fucking nutcase. And then, <laughs> yeah, the when he was a completely for- reasonable. You remember back when he gave you that rocking horse on Christmas. And it wasn't because he'd fallen off his. Right. right. And it and it didn't at the time have the wiener on the saddle, which I was like, I don't know where this goes. That's why Canadians call them Mounties. Uh, oh, nice. Wow. But wow. I think this is where other players could come in. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, and I'm just making something up, Brodor could have Alex come up to Proust, set down a lemon cookie, <laughs> and be like, so now does this bring anything back? Yeah. Okay, so what kind of story do we build out of that? Yeah. Does Proust remember? He's like, I don't remember ever having this with you, but before you were born, I remember we used to, there was a Christmas where we had a bunch of these, and how does that Our figure? Our great-aunt Sadie used to make lemon cookies. Well, wait a minute. Did she make you lemon cookies? Yeah. And then what struck me, though, too, was, like you said, what really helps 
with a character that is having trouble gelling with the game, with the, the whole concept of the game, right, is another player kind of bringing them in. And that's what Alex did. That's what Brodor did with Alex a lot. Because there were whole games where you only said like one or two things. And I was really concerned. I'm like, oh man, it's like, I don't think this is firing for Dan here. And, you know, what can I do? And I saw Alex interacting with Proust all the time. It was not like, hey, buddy, let's go on an adventure. It was like, you're creepy, but I'm trapped with you. (laughs) Now, that sounds like real negative and stuff, but it was interaction. It was story. It was building scene and stuff. It's why I have hope for this game Mm -hmm. that I didn't see in the Dresden game. Because as I've told the story of the Dresden game, it's completely true. I sat down with a table full of people said, I need help not just making a character, because I'd never played Dresden before, hadn't read any Dresden mm-hmm. books, had only very briefly touched Fate. Fate was far better defined in Dresden, and mm-hmm. much more specifically defined in Dresden than it was in, say, Spirit of the Century. And then I didn't know anything about the other characters. And when I sat down and asked for help, the only two people at the table that worked with me were Chad, who was playing, mm-hmm. and Wayne, who was GMing. Everyone else blunt just ignored me Mm. and the results were what you would expect and this isn't about placing blame whatever this was years ago okay this is huge water under the bridge but what is i think neat about prowse situation now and the ability of not just the gm but the other players to get involved in this is the first round of integrating a character to the party is very heavily incumbent upon the one player. How do I integrate Proust with the party? Now, granted, that should be a collaborative effort, but ultimately I am the prime mover. Now it is very much up to the party to Mm -hmm. come to him or I should say it's on them. It's, it's within their ability now to come to him and say, this is how you could connect to me. Yeah. If I can make you talk about Christmas celebrations as opposed to your weird views about possessing people. Well, what's going to be cool about it is that that is absolutely true. And all of the characters have different motivations. Yeah. So they're not going to come to you and be like, okay, we're going to have a beer. And I'm going to tell you about the past two years with Proust. I'm going to start reading my diary. And this is exactly what happened. And it's not an unreliable narrator. No one's going to do that. Because everyone is afraid and creeped out by Proust in a good way, in an awesome way. But then it begs the question now, and I know that not that much of Proust's recollection, that one big story is gone. But does that provide an opportunity to start to go back and salvage and maybe recover who he was? I think it does. I think it does. And see, for, for Alex, that provides an opportunity for optimism and hope that I don't, mm. that he doesn't really have. He's not as gonna net, say, is, does Alexander have He doesn't that? have that. No, it's really more about, you know, just surviving to the next thing. And for him, it was surviving from day to day. And now it's, then it became week what? to week and now it's month to month. But now, I have an opportunity to recover potentially Mm -hmm. to aid someone who was familial, which I certainly preferred the relationship we had prior. Yeah. And if we jump over to the game, you were talking about coordinator two back, that never going home game. 
that World War One game. Or kind of, I don't know, it's Lovecrafty in World War yeah, One. Yeah, so it's from it's from Wet Ink Games. It's never going home, and it's basically yeah. the Battle of the Psalm. Uh, oh, you really aren't going home. Yeah, no, you're not. You know, so the 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 Battle of the Psalm, all of the dead from that day causes the otherworldly entities, the the others, the outsiders, to basically focus for a moment on the earthly realm so intensely for that moment that it tears a rift in the veil between realms and ugliness starts to seep in. Okay. So neat. You could play a game like that, right? And let's say there's no memory loss, right? We're just dealing straight up and down, just regular role playing stuff. And I'm playing a role playing, let's say British or French or whatever infantry that are stuck in the trenches my character, once again, no lost memory, just has this profound hatred for the Germans because he's been on the receiving end of their machine gun fire and artillery mm-hmm. shells and all this other stuff. And someone could say, out of nowhere, even if this is not written anywhere in the group's past, but you remember the day that we met so-and-so during the Christmas Day truce? Mm-hmm. Which one is not familiar in the middle of World War One? There's something called the Christmas Service. I think it's Christmas Day truce where the two sides stopped fighting and instead had a soccer game, which, for anyone who's curious, the Germans beat the British 3-2. to two. Whatever The that British means. won the war. So I, do what you will with that information. We still speak English is the point. Yeah. Um, officers had to come and crack down on that because they're like, we let this go. These people aren't going to want to kill each other anymore. Yeah. Which I think tells you a lot about the state of humanity and politics, but I'm not going to get into that. But the point being, though, that you could, if we were playing... In that game, right? We were playing in a game set in World War One. Someone could say, wait a minute, don't you remember the Christmas Day troops? Mm. You know, and how that changed things. And suddenly you could take a character, let's say I'm playing a character who's super battle-hardened, super angry, super all this stuff, and you can suddenly introduce on the fly right. a bit of past where if I'm not a total jackass in terms of how I play my character, I'm not like super, super rigid. I'm going to lock into that and play with that. And maybe that does start to change the trajectory of my character just a little bit, Mm. just enough Mm -hmm. to start to see some development in the character, assuming I am prepared to, God forbid, allow the character to develop. You've got to give. That's the whole thing. If you're not willing to give as that player... When somebody does the Christmas truce type thing, then you should really just look at the other person who's trying to do it. It's like, uh, you know, cool man. I've got a golden box around my character. Yeah, I, I wrote it's, my character you know, as an end product. So. Yeah. You look at him and go, my character wouldn't do that. You know what that does? That deflates everybody in the room. Yeah. You know, it's like somebody tried to do something, reach out. But again, it cuts both ways too. You don't, start saying stuff like man i hate those germans because they killed bob and kill they're trying to kill us and they're they're doing all this horrible stuff and then you say oh no but isn't your grandmother german and you were telling me yesterday about how much you like the germans and it's like no no dude no don't don't do that <laughs> you, you you're rewriting their character yeah. oh think of it this way don't be a contrarian. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a big difference between building on to versus yeah. contradicting. What you're trying to do 
is you're trying to make an opening. You're not trying to cut words into stone. You're making an opportunity for them to pick up the chisel with you, and then together you start carving the stone. Yeah, and, well, and if and they don't go for it, don't for, push it. Exactly, yeah. And I think certainly to be as contradictory or contrarian as you just presented, mm-hmm. yeah, that is a huge misunderstanding because you've gone from supplementing their character or adding some nuance or some openings to now you are taking such radical creative license that it's uncalled for. Now, I think arguably if you're quick enough on your feet, the other player could maybe still run to that and say, no, my grandma's not German. Mm -hmm. There was a German lady who lived down the street who was kind of like a grandma to me. Oh, no, you look at him and say, no. She was Austrian. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, Kick exactly. Ass. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the way. That's the yeah. that's some yeah. white people <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah, she was in German. She was Austrian or right. Swiss or something <laughs> like that. You know, and be like, okay, so you got me. I really do like Jaeger Schnitzel, but <laughs> that that doesn't exactly mean. Yeah, I don't know. Once yeah. again, it's you got to cook just this. like an American. But be be. <laughs> Be something we're not being right now. Yeah. Subtle. 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 Exactly. Nudges, openings. It's, you know, marketplace but, of ideas we talk yeah. about for our game masters. Same thing for the player. If you're trying to draw another character in, give them a marketplace of ideas. Try a few kind of low impact sort of stories that have a lot of openings and see what they bite at. And if they bite at nothing, well, look, they're making them a point where the problem isn't you. The problem is them. Let me ask you this. Let's change gears for a moment. So Proust. And he has lost this story, and it's gone. It's it's GM, Fiat, gone. It ain't coming. You can't do a project clock to bring this back. Right. And the players listen to this episode, or they're sitting right here, and they're like, wow, yes, this is going to create a lot of opportunity to role play with Dan and role play with Proust and build my character towards him and build his character towards me. And also maybe even have that opportunity to have openings so that we can pick up the rock chiseled together and it's all in good faith and stuff. What are some mistakes that they could make? I think the biggest one we've already stated, which is overstepping to start instead of trying to decorate the character, they start trying to rewrite the character Mm -hmm. instead of putting ornaments on the tree. They say, you know what? We're just not going to have a Christmas tree. We're going to use this instead. I think sort of thing. I think another one that they could do is, I think there could be some lack of clarity if everyone starts trying to manipulate Prowse to a particular direction. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm trying to develop the character, and it is not clear to me that what, let's say, Eric is saying is actually intentionally all lies. Well, I, I, Even in character, it's all lies. I can it's- see it like Dan is trying to understand and develop Proust, whereas it goes the other way with the players, where it's not Wayne and Eric and Brandon and Mike trying to develop and, and do interesting stuff with, with Proust or characters. It's their characters are scumbags trying to manipulate Proust. Yeah. And it's like an in character thing versus an Which is great. Thing. Except for the fact that we're defining unwritten territory. Yeah. And yeah. therefore I would not necessarily have a good handle like, are you, I mean, I guess they'll have to accept those out of character questions of, are you telling the truth 
in which case I'm going to write this down as mm. we worked this out, but it was a lie and Prowse may eventually figure that out. Yeah. Or are you telling him a truth? Did this really happen? And if he goes back home and pulls out his diary f- from before he right. went nuts or something, he'll find information that verifies this. Um, I think it's also going to be a bit interesting because they're NPCs that have their own motivations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy that runs the insane asylum right. is not going to want Proust coming all the way back from crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure yet how that's going to get handled. Yeah. Or does the group try to keep Proust away from yeah. this doctor? I mean, Which, if that's the case, this doctor's got power and connections. I mean, if they bring Proust around and suddenly... The decisions made were Proust like, okay, well, it's time for me to go back. And they're like, no, you're, you're never going back there. This yeah. is your home or your family. Yeah. There'll be, there'll be repercussions of fallout. Yeah. That's a forever problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I don't see it happening to where every single person at the table is trying to manipulate, not you, Dan, but manipulate Proust because I see Wayne's character, Jack is one of these people who's, he's, Big and mean and a killer and good at heart. And then I see Reggie, who is vicious and brutal, but don't mess with his family. You know, don't cross a line and he won't kill you. And I see Eric as something where it's he's like the manipulator. He is the spider. He's got webs going everywhere. And you guys aren't flies or strands on his web. You aren't even in the metaphor. Because you're his yeah. sort of thing. And what I noticed is with the dynamic in the game, we mentioned before about how Alexander and Proust have this thing together where on the surface of it, it sounds really negative, but it's actually on a meta level. It's really positive, a lot of role playing and scenes and a lot of interesting development. And so unlike in the Dresden game, you have this anchor player here, this big NPC. You also have another anchor player, Eric is your big NPC. And you might not have even have noticed it. Eric is a phenomenal role player, right? And he is playing this grand manipulator. He's the the leader of the gang, so he's the planner sort of thing. And he he's always got it's not so much manipulator, but he's got these plans, right? He's got these threads and and he's this leadership sort of planner thing. And if you notice Everybody around the table and most of the NPCs, when Proust like comes up, the NPCs are like, put your dog on a leash sort of thing. Or you're like, I don't, do I have to stay with Proust? Can we get somebody else to sleep in the car with Proust? I don't want to sleep in the train car with Proust. Okay, we're going to draw a line. We're going to do this like whole mini game for 45 minutes of who has the bunk with Proust, which is amazing. Through it all, Eric's character is your champion. Uncle Treacle is Proust's champion. Uncle Treacle makes the excuses for him. Uncle Treacle makes sure that he's involved. Uncle Treacle makes sure to people who are going to mess with him, looks at him and say, don't mess with him. Yo, he's about, I know he's crazy, but he's my crazy. There's sort of also a possible plot. I can't do his Tom Waits voice. Which is uh, there's, there's a possible <laughs> plot arc here, too. And I don't suggest this for everyone because, first of all, I don't know this works in terms of generally just underdeveloped or under-integrated mm-hmm. characters. This is definitely situational, and I think some people may find 
the plot angle objectionable Mm -hmm. because fundamentally it comes down to manipulation and gaslighting. Sure. But that's not even real. (laughs) You just make that. It's just in your mind. Yeah. There's no such thing as gaslighting. Gaslighting is a made up word. Right. You you just, you just invented that to try and try and get sympathy. And yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) too meta. The thing it introduces is there could be contention based on the direction Brodor tries to take things or wants to take things of what if the group is trying to educate Proust one direction and the handler at the insane asylum is trying to manipulate him another direction. Mm -hmm. And he kind of gets stuck between worlds. And that could be either a defining or destroying moment for him. Uh, now, once again, I don't think that's good universal advice because, I mean, I guess you could see it to some extent because if you have a player where their character doesn't fit in, even if there's no missing memory, mm-hmm. if the person is prepared to play a character that is developed enough that that character is vulnerable, and I don't mean stat vulnerable, I mean vulnerable emotionally, right. socially, that they're out here in World War One killing and hating Germans when in truth, yeah, Nana is German mm-hmm. and that, you know, really is part of their character. You can get two groups, you know, one trying to say, Hey, come play football with us against the Germans while it's snowing. Mm-hmm. And the other's like, no, get back in the trenches. You hate these people. Let's kill them all. Yeah. And even with a hand that's fully on the table, mm-hmm. you can still get that kind of, competition for the heart and soul of a character. Now, Prowse is an unusually, uh, to repeat the word, vulnerable position here because he literally doesn't remember. Yeah. And I think that that's a net positive where you have all these forces kind of competing for the character to make the character what they think the character should become. Yeah. And the more contradictory it is, the better. Not because it makes the character a jumble, but because it's like Frankenstein's monster, right? At the end of it, Frankenstein's monster is like, no, I'm me. I'm a not a man, but I'm this thing. It's like, you don't care what about me, you son of a bitch. It's like... Well, that's going to be an interesting thing, too, is does someone in the group take that tack? Yeah. Oh, does Prowse take that tack? Let's stop manipulating him. Let's help him discover who he is. Right. You know, as opposed without any manipulation. You all think I'm crazy. See, you don't take the time to understand. Me. See, and that's the Alex perspective. It's yeah. let's not discover who he is. Yeah. Let's rediscover who he was. Yeah. Well, with this group though, too, is that everybody is scoundrels and whatnot. I don't think it's going to be a matter of, okay, Proust is out getting the groceries, we're going to have a brainstorming session to get everybody on the same page in character of how we're going to handle the Prowse situation. I don't think the characters are that organized or on the same page. They're they're not even on the same page for, like, robbing a bank or something. But does anybody even want that, right? Right. Like, is there anybody in the group who's like, okay. I also think it's going to be funny because I'm not mistaken, Prowse has more money Oh yeah. Then the entire remainder of the gang combined. Yeah. Not not just the members of the gang, but even the gang template. Mm-hmm. I believe he has more money than everyone else combined. Yeah. And he doesn't spend any of it. He yeah, just, he doesn't spend. In fact, actually, several times now he's given it parts of it to the group so right. that everyone gets paid. 
Hell, he just bankrolled part of the last payday. Because mm-hmm. otherwise Wayne wouldn't have gotten paid. You're welcome, Wayne. <laughs> so, cool. I think we're in this one here. Lots of things to think about. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out starting in episode 13 and 14 yeah. and on from there of the AP. Of course, it'll be interesting to see how the AP in general plays out because we're entering into the black hole of gaming mm. for us of the November yeah. through January run, which right. we'll see. And then we have like some job stuff. Well, going and then through. the brown hole of gaming that is gaming as Brodor as the game master. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that your that's brown holes up with your game mastering. So <laughs> as for the rest of you guys, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great weekend, great games, and we will catch you next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2021. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.